Psalm 145 says this, I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud to your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures forever. Throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. and You give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. and Let all flesh bless his holy name forever. Psalm 148 says this, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. The scriptures command us again and again to praise the Lord. And there's many reasons why we praise the Lord, but one reason that's given in scripture is because of the faithfulness of God, that he's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his covenant. He's faithful to his people. Today I'd like to give a message that's a little bit different than a normal message where we kind of look at a text and break, break down the text and see what it applies, how it applies to our life. It's going to be a little bit different today. Today I'd like to talk about the faithfulness of God. The dictionary defines faithfulness this way as lasting loyalty and trustworthiness in relationships. Lasting loyalty and trustworthiness in relationships. That's what our God is to us. And today I'd like to give a testimony to the faithfulness of God and how he's been faithful to me personally and also how he's been faithful to I Hope Community Church. So it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be me sharing a testimony to the faithfulness of God. The passage that we read again in Psalm 145 and verses 10 to 12 says, All your works shall give thanks to you. O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. And so today what I would like to do is share the mighty deeds of the Lord. I'd like to share what God has done through I Hope and how he's been faithful every step of the way. So that's where we're going. And uh, as I tell these stories, I want you to recognize one thing. The last thing I want you to do is walk away from today and say, wow, Pastor Matt has a lot of faith. I wish I could have faith like Pastor Matt. That's the last thing I want you to walk away with. Because the Lord knows my heart is prone to wander. When things get tough, my heart is prone to doubt. And so as I tell these stories, it's not about me at all. 
It's about God and his faithfulness to us as a church and to me personally. So the story starts in seminary. Uh, I knew God had led me into ministry, and sometime early in seminary, I just felt this strong desire to plant a church, specifically uh, in western New York, where I grew up. And so I was so excited about this at the beginning of seminary, I was, I was talking to my professors, and I'm like, should I just quit seminary and just go home and plant a church? And they're like, no, that's not a good idea. You need to be ready. You need to be prepared, and good godly advice. So I get through with seminary in 2012, and by that point, I've just kind of calmed down a little bit. I still, it was still something I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure if God was going to lead me to do it at that moment or at some other time. And so I was, wasn't sure if God would have me uh, serve in another capacity as an associate pastor, as a uh, lead pastor in an established church before I would plan a, this church. And so I wasn't really sure, so I began this process of kind of discerning God's will, and I investigated a lot of different possibilities. I had an opportunity to potentially plant a church in Niagara Falls, and I just kind of followed that up, and it became clear that that particular opportunity wasn't right for me. And so I just started to think and pray about, God, what do you want for me next? And I remember I took out a map, it was a Google Maps, and I had like a listing of churches. And I was looking at areas that maybe needed a gospel-centered church. I mean, I didn't want to just plant a church just to have a church. I wanted to go to a place that needed a gospel witness. North Tonawanda stood out to me. And at that time, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, there were a few churches that preached the gospel that were doing some things, but there wasn't a lot of energy, a lot, not a lot of things happening in North Tonawanda. Uh, even some of the, the other churches, like Renewal Church or Lumber City Church, they were either just starting or didn't even exist at that point. So there wasn't much happening here in North Tonawanda. So I started to, to talk to people about this idea of planning a church in North Tonawanda. I remember I went to uh, s- talk to some people at the chapel, and I just kind of said, you know, is this, is this a place of need? And they confirmed, yes, this is a place of need. This is a place that needs a Bible-believing, gospel-centered church. And uh, I remember I, just by happenstance, or God's, God's will, God's providence, I happened to uh, meet uh, Pastor Chad from Lumber City Church at Panera one day. And I ended up chatting with him, and he was just kind of in the process of planning uh, Lumber City Church. They started in 2012. And even though he was planning a church there, he confirmed, like, we need help. Like, we need all of us working together in North Tonawanda. And so I got this confirmation that, yes, this is a place that needs a church. And then God started to kind of move in my heart and give me a love for North Tonawanda. I grew up in Sanborn, so I'm familiar with the area, but I you know, hadn't spent a, spent a significant amount of time in North Tonawanda. So I started spending a lot more time here. And God just kind of moved in my heart and, and made me fall in love with North Tonawanda. And so then I'm just kind of like tinkering with this idea of planning a church in North Tonawanda. I'm not committed to it, but I'm just saying, what would it look like to plant a church in North Tonawanda? Now, I, of course, I didn't live there, so it wasn't like I could just start in my house and you know, kind of go from there. I didn't really have you know, anywhere to meet here in North Tonawanda. So I started to look at different options, maybe renting a place. So I started calling up people, places that I thought might be a decent place to meet, and uh, they really scared me away. Like, I'm just an individual, 
and you know, there is no formal church, and I call up this one place, and they're like, okay, yeah, we might be able to do it, but I need you to send me a million-dollar insurance policy. And I'm like, that's a lot. It seems like a lot. And they're like, well, and if you meet here, you not only have to pay for rent, but we have our own sound people. You're going to have to pay for the sound people to come too. I'm like, uh, that doesn't seem like it's going to work. Then I looked at a school, and the school was a little bit more reasonable. It was like $700 a month. Um, back then, it was a little bit more than it is now. Um, but even if we did that, we would only have the auditorium for one day a week on Sunday morning, and so we wouldn't have a place to do ministry throughout the week. So that didn't seem like it was going to work. It wasn't a perfect fit. And then there were a couple buildings that were for sale. One of them was the uh, place where Vanguard meets now by the market, and went and looked at that building, and it was enormous. I mean, it's a, it's a huge building, and it was dilapidated, had lots of things that needed to be fixed. And after looking at it, I realized, like, this, this isn't going to work. It's just too big, too much that has to be done. And then this church here came on the market. And I remember coming to see it, and I walked through my office door from that side, and I walked in here, and I remember the first thing I thought was, like, this could be the place. Like, this feels right. This seems like a place where I could do ministry. Just felt like the right place. The problem was, they were asking a lot of money for this building. They were asking, I think it was $212,000 for the church and the parsonage next door. And uh, they, I don't know if they would have said, they said they would sell the church separately for $149,000. But it just, it was a lot. And now, at this point, I Hope Community Church consists of myself, my mom, and my dad. That's it. We don't have any funding. We don't have any, like, you know, we don't have a church that's, gonna, that's saying, like, hey, we're going to support you for X amount of dollars a month. We don't have anything like that. We don't have any individuals that are saying, hey, we're going to support you for this amount a month. Uh, so we don't have funding. So this is a huge, insurmountable thing. So I walked away, and I was like, that would be really nice, but I mean, there's no way we could swing something like that. So some time went by, and we had expressed interest to the real estate agent, like, hey, like, we're interested, but there's no way we can make this happen. And so in the course of time, uh, he, he, he reached out to us and said, hey, we haven't had much interest. Would you want to maybe send a letter to uh, the Lutheran Brother denomination who owned the building and let them know like what you plan to do with the building and maybe even put in an offer. So I did that, and I don't, I don't know whether I even put in an offer. I think I just told them, like, hey, I, you know, I want to plant a church here. I want to preach the gospel. I want to reach out to our community. But we don't have money. <laughs> and then I got a response back, and they said that they would give us the church and the parsonage, I think it was for $140,000. Less than the price of the church alone. And miraculously, we were able to get a mortgage for that. God, great is your faithfulness. So I'm ex so excited, but I'm also scared out of my mind because up until that point, it was an idea, it was a dream. And now suddenly, it became a reality. I was committed to planting this church. So I remember the, the home inspector came and they found uh, radon in the basement here at the church and so that had to be remediated. 
And I remember them going to the parsonage next door, and I remember him going through the different things that were wrong with the parsonage, and, like, I was ready to walk away. He said, well, like, all the windows need to be replaced, the roof needs to be replaced, the roof on the church needs to be replaced, Um, there's electrical issues, and he has this whole list of things, like big-ticket items, not like painting the walls, that need to be done. I almost walked away, but kept going, kept moving forward. So I started to gather this launch team together, started to gather a couple people from here and there, friends, or uh, basically the criterion was, do you love Jesus and are you breathing? If so, come join us. That was the criterion. If you're breathing, come on. So we're gathering this small launch team together and starting to gain some traction there, but we were missing one important person. We were missing a worship leader. And so we were planning on starting in September, and I think it was like maybe June, and we had some other things planned that I'll talk about in a few minutes, but we need to have a worship leader. I mean, it's hard to have a church without someone to lead music, and nobody wants me to get up there and lead music. So then uh, there was one person that just didn't work out that I had met with, and then I don't know how it happened, but somehow I got in touch with uh, Joel Dibble. And I met him one time, and we talked, and it was like, it was a fit. It worked. And uh, so I had my worship leader. And uh, just as an aside, we're going to fast forward uh, uh, several years, but I think it was like 2017, and... uh, Somebody from the church, I think it was Mallory, reached out to me and said, hey, there's this guy named Patrick Leahy. He's not leading at a church right now. Maybe he could fill in for you once in a while if, if you need somebody to fill in for Joel. I was like, oh, cool. So I think I had reached out to Patrick and you know, asked him if he could fill in. I think Joel was going to be gone for a particular week. And then a few weeks later, Joel told me that he was moving to Fredonia. And God was like, all right. Here's your new worship leader. God's faithfulness is true. So going back to the story, I have my worship leader, have a small uh, team that we're gathering to do ministry, and I'm ready to rock the world for Jesus. And we had three events that were planned for the summertime. We had an event in, I think it was July, we were having what was called a Share the Dream event. And for that, we were inviting friends and relatives, and again, anyone who was breathing to come and be a part of the team or to financially help support the ministry. Uh, So it was a really important event for us because, like I said, we didn't have outside funding at that point. So that was the first event we had planned in July. Then we were planning on doing um, a vacation Bible school in August. And then we were planning on starting the services in uh, September 15th of 2013. So I'm super excited. We're getting everything together. And then I get a call from our lawyer, it was like mid-July 2013, and he said, we have some problems. I was like, that doesn't sound good. So he said, well, we did a title search, and what we discovered is that the church building doesn't have a clean title. What had happened was uh, there was a congregation who had met here previously, and they closed their doors. Everybody kind of dispersed. So what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to transfer the building, the title, to the Lutheran Brethren denomination. They didn't do that. So what was happening was this congregation that no longer existed owned the building. 
So the denomination didn't have the right to actually sell it to us. And so I said, well, what, what does that mean for us? He said, it's, it's not good. Uh, these things take a long time to get sorted out. And, you know, this could be like, you know, maybe if it goes well, maybe you're looking at October, November, December of getting this strained out. That was a rough day. So I walked away and I'm just like, maybe God isn't in this. Maybe I shouldn't be planning this church. I mean, I had devoted all of my time and energy to this, and this was my dream to plant this church, and now it's September 15th isn't going to happen. I mean, you don't want to do a, a launch right in the middle of the wintertime. I mean, Vacation Bible School isn't happening, and honestly, I wasn't sure if this was ever going to close. Is this issue ever going to get sorted out? So it was a tough week. I questioned God a lot. Started to doubt whether it was his will. Then I get a call about a week later. The lawyer says, well, I don't understand this, but one of the biggest title companies in the, in, in the country decided that they were going to insure the title for you. So you can move in and you can close within a couple of weeks. Didn't make any sense, but God is faithful. God, great is your faithfulness. So then... Uh, we went and we closed on the property, as you can see in the picture here. And uh, in the meantime, as all of this is going on, I was praying for something else. I've been praying for something else for a long period of time. In fact, at the beginning of July, I, I wrote in my journal, I still have the journal, I said, I, God, I pray that I would meet a spouse or at least someone to do ministry with me before this church opens. Now, as you can see in the picture, it's me, my wife, and the lawyer. This was actually the first time that I had ever met my wife. She was working for the lawyer's office, and, and, and of course I didn't know that she was going to become my wife. And the rest is history, but God's like, okay, here's your building, here's your wife. God, great is your faithfulness. So the first event we had was the Shared a Dream event. We had to postpone it, um, and we had like hardly any time to get the word out. So we're just like, you know, we're moving in, and then it's like a week later. All right, we're having the Share the Dream event, and it was rough. We didn't have any sound equipment. I remember my friend uh, who did some sound professionally was trying to get us hooked up with some speakers and with some microphones and stuff. And he's like, what is the budget that you're looking at? I'm like, how about like nothing? He's like, well, I can't do that, but I'll see what I can do. And so we got like the bare bones things. At the, that first share of the dream event, the speakers hadn't even come in yet. So we have no sound. Joel gets up there. He's playing his guitar. Nobody can hear what he's saying. And then we, I think we had, we're playing some videos and we're using like computer speakers. And it was just a mess. But we had some people who joined the team and, and decided that they were going to be a part of the team. But I had a, one person who was on our launch team who was an accountant, and I had asked him to kind of give a, a speech or, or um, just tell a little bit more about the church. And uh, I'm expecting this, you know, rousing, inspirational speech, like, come join us, be a part of this mission. And he got up there and he, he said, well... I've looked at the financials, and this doesn't really make any sense. 
and it's not going to work unless God is in it. It was hardly the vote of confidence I was looking for, but he was kind of right. He was really right. I mean, we had a budget without an income. We had a building without people. We had all of these expenses. We had a roof on the parsonage and on the church that had to be replaced in the next few years that was estimated to be about $40,000. So from a human perspective, it didn't make any sense. It didn't add up. But we started as we planned, and we were able to do a vacation Bible school, had, uh, had a few kids come out for that. Um, started in September of 2013, September 15th, had a great uh, turnout for the first few services, um, and uh, God was faithful to us. There were a lot of challenges. There were a lot of growing pains. There was a lot of spiritual warfare, just kind of weird stuff that I couldn't explain, uh, the likes of which I had never seen before nor since. Just some really weird stuff happened. But through it, God was faithful. I got a call uh, about... I think it was a few weeks after we started the, serv- or started, um, the services, and it was from the Frontier Baptist Association, and they told us, uh, we'd like to support you for $500 a month for your first two years. Slowly, support started coming in. Uh, other churches started to help here and there. Uh, we had individuals who would come up, and uh, one person just called me up and said, hey, I got something for you, comes, gives me a check for like $3,000. Had a, had a widow come up and give me a check for $5,000. It's like God provided from all different sources, people who never have come to this church, but God put it on their heart to support the ministry. God, great is your faithfulness. Then a few years in, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous because uh, the outside support, it was coming in at the beginning, and then it starts to wane. You know, after the first couple of years, like I said, the Frontier Baptist Association, they're, they're helping us for the first two years, and that's it. And so then I'm like, what is it going to look like when we become self-supporting? Like, are we going to be able to pay the bills? About that time, a couple years in, uh, at that point, we were renting out the parsonage to supplement uh, the, the church to pay the bills, uh, to pay the mortgage. And there was a major ro- uh, leak in the roof of the parsonage. Did a significant amount of damage in the one room. And so we got to patch the best we could to get through the winter. It was the um, winter of 2015. And uh, we started to um, get estimates for the roof. And we got another estimate. And it turned out that um, apparently when the the company did the first estimate, they didn't realize how much damage was uh, done to the roof up here and how much underlayment needed to be replaced. And so they said, we're sorry but the cost is going to be about $15,000 more. Like, okay, that's great. Now, you know, the support isn't coming in like it used to be, uh, and now we got this huge expense. And, you know, we got kind of a bare-bones budget here. It's not like we can cut a lot, and like $15,000 was incredibly significant to us. It's like, where are we going to get that kind of money? And so it's the beginning of December 2015, And we were meeting for prayer before the service, and we just committed that we were going to pray to God that God would provide this money for us. And so we just prayed for a number of weeks. And then after the new year, I get a call from someone from the chapel, and he said, I just wanted to let you know we took an offering on Christmas Eve, 
and uh, we're going to split the, the proceeds between you and another ministry, and so we'll be sending you a check for $15,000. Now, I'm thinking to myself, okay, who told them? <laughs> who told them that we needed that money, which was about $15,000? So I said, you guys know that we needed a roof? Do you know that we needed $15,000 or, you know, about that? He said, no, we just felt like God was leading us to give that to you. God, great is your faithfulness. Summer 2016 and 2017, we had uh, missions teams come up uh, from Tylertown, Mississippi, and they were an incredible blessing to us. They helped us paint a number of parts of the church and renovate a number of things that were dilapidated. Um, they helped us reach out to the community, encouraged our hearts, and they, through them, we just were reminded of the faithfulness of God. So like I said, since the church began, we had been uh, renting out the parsonage to help pay the bills, and uh, we had one tenant who was there for about a year, and then they moved to Florida, and then we had some other tenants that moved in, and they had a lot of animals, and they ended up doing a real number on the parsonage. And so they were there for two or three years, and then uh, they moved out, and it was just a terrible mess. I mean, there was urine and feces that was so bad uh, that we got complaints from the neighbors. Um, I had, like, a contractor come in there to look at some things, and he's like, can we just, can we take this outside? It was that noxious in there. Uh, fleas everywhere. I remember taking flea bombs and, you know, took the, and um, put, like, 12 of them in the house. You know, run out of the house, come back a few days later. They're still there. Do it again. They're still there. And we had to like bring in a professional to come in and, and get rid of these fleas. So it was an issue. And so we planned on fixing it up. Of course, you know, it belonged to the church. We got to fix it up. And we weren't sure what we were going to do with it. So we investigated like some different possibilities. Like, could we start a homeless ministry? Um, could we have some kind of a pantry? Could we have another ministry come in and, and use it? And uh, while all those were good ideas and we wanted to use it for something like that. Uh, the logistics of allowing that to happen or making that happen in that building were just difficult. It didn't work out. So we're like, okay, um, I guess we'll rent it out again. So we had a property manager come and uh, list it and, and to rent it out, and we didn't find a tenant. Didn't find a suitable tenant. And it's kind of you know, a unique listing because it's like four and a half bedrooms. It's a ginormous house. So we just couldn't find the right tenant to rent it out. So then, then it's, just, it's just sitting there. It's like, we got this nice house. We just fixed it up. But what are we going to do with it? So about that time, uh, me and my wife uh, thought we were going to have a baby. And we had a small home in Tonawanda. We loved our home. And we hadn't even seriously thought about uh, moving into the parsonage. It wasn't really on our radar but then we're fixing it up, and then we get to a place we think we're going to have a baby. And our house was, while we liked it, it was, just wasn't a kid-friendly house. It had two really small bedrooms. One was on one side of the house. One was on the other side of the house. And we're thinking, like, maybe this would be a good thing. You know, be, I'd be right next to the church, um, more room for the baby. And, you know, we brought it up to the board and ended up moving there. And right at that moment, God provided for what we needed. Of course, we weren't planning on that. That wasn't even on our radar, but God was preparing it for us and making it so it was open for us to move in there. God, great is your faithfulness. 
From the time the church opened, I had been working part-time at my parents' business um, to supplement income, and at the beginning of 2020, we were at a place where I no longer needed to work there, and I could work more at the church. God, great is your faithfulness. So you fast forward a little bit of time. Fast forward to March 2020. The pandemic hits. It throws all of us for a loop. And uh, we took our services online for several months. And this was really hard for us as a church because we are I Hope Community Church. We are not an online ministry. We are about community. We're about doing life together, about eating together, about spending time in God's word together. So it was really hard for us as a church because we're not an online ministry. Financially, we took a really hard hit. We were doing our best to reach out to the community, but financially, we were struggling. There were you know, people in our congregation who had lost jobs. There was a lot of uncertainty. Some who had businesses that were not doing very well, and so financially, it was a really hard time. And we're paying the bills. We got the, the Paycheck Protection Program uh, forgivable loan, so that helped us to pay the bills, but we're struggling. And uh, on top of that, um, at that time, my grandfather uh, was very ill. Um, he had been helping support the church in a significant way before, uh, since the church started. And uh, he's not doing very well. In actually 2019, uh, fall of 2019, he was given like a couple months maybe to live. And so this is 2020, and he's, do, he's still doing okay. But I'm looking at our financials, and it's like, what's going to happen in the next year? I mean, financially, we're way down from what we were, and, you know, if we lost the, the amount my grandfather was giving, it's going to hurt even more. Like, what is going to happen in the next year? So I remember going through the budget and just kind of trying to cut anything that we could out of the budget. And we cut as much as we could, but it, there wasn't a lot of fluff there. There wasn't a lot we could cut. And even after we cut all those things, our budget was still a step of faith that God was going to provide. So then things started to improve. You know, people started to gain a little bit more optimism. Things started opening up a little bit more. The pandemic was getting a little bit better. And so our financial situation started to improve somewhat. So then we uh, get to, um, you know, the spring of that year. And like I said, me and my wife are living in the parsonage. We loved it there. Nice big house. It was nice being close to a church, nice area, uh, nice place to walk. You know, the park's not far, uh, far away. And so we love being here. And uh, the only thing that we didn't like was the yard was kind of small. But, you know, we had no plans of leaving. I planned on staying there for the foreseeable future. And so, you know, we're, I was actually that, that spring, you know, I'm doing a lot of things outside. Like I planted a tree in the backyard. Doug helped me, and it was like 400 pounds. Like it was ridiculous. And we're planting trees, and I'm planting shrubs. And like I said, like we're planning on staying there for a significant amount of time. Little did I know, I was preparing the house to sell it. God knew that. I thought I was just planting a tree. I thought I was just working in the garden. We were planning, I was planning those things to sell it. So we get to, I think it was May of last year, 2021, and uh, we had heard that my wife's cousin was, was moving to North Carolina a few months prior, um, and we discovered they didn't really have any concrete plans. They weren't sure what they were going to do with their house. And we had been there a number of times, had, had a big yard, and we, we liked the house. And so we just started talking to them. And uh, 
God just put all the pieces together for us to be able to move into that house. And that's a story for another time. But he made it possible for us to move into that house. And we went from, uh, from at one point, uh, just having no idea we're going to move, and then six weeks later, the moving truck is there, and we're moving into that house. God, great is your faithfulness. So then the parsonage is available, and then we start, we go back to where we were a few years ago. What do we do with this parsonage? Now, I had put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into fixing it up. The last thing I wanted to do is rent it out again and have it get ruined and then have to go back and do it again. Further, you know, while it was great at the beginning and helped us pay the mortgage, it had kind of become a liability. You know, without us living there, you know, we didn't want to have to deal with collecting rent from a tenant. Like, we're a church. We're not into collecting rent. We're not interested in being landlords. And so I brought, I talked to the board and, and about possibly selling it. And after praying and seeking God's face, the board agreed that that's the best thing to do. Let's sell it. And then we brought that to the congregation. We had a meeting. We voted to sell the parsonage. That's when things got interesting. That's when things got a little bit weird. So there was two issues that we had to deal with. Number one, uh, we had to separate the water line. There was one water service that went from the church to the parsonage, so it was all connected. So that was kind of a hassle to try to get that fixed and get it fixed in a timely manner and reasonably. But that wasn't a huge issue. The biggest issue was the property lines. So the church here had a separate property line than the parsonage uh, or separate parcels. The problem was the, the church property encroached about three-quarters of the way through the driveway onto their property. So the church owns three-quarters of the driveway and the garage. Now, if we're selling the house, uh, of course we have to sell it with a driveway and a garage because, I mean, this is North Tonawanda. You can't park on the street in the wintertime. You can't sell a house without a driveway for someone to park. So we're like, okay, we'll just get this fixed. I go march down to the building department. I was like, all right, I just need to change this property line. Like, can't do that. I mean, what do you, what do you mean we can't do that? I mean, we got to sell this, this house. Can't do it. There's, there's this code and there's that code. You can't change the property line. Like, okay. One person suggested knocking down the garage. I'm like, I, okay, we have this really nice house. We're trying to sell it. We don't want it anymore. It's just sitting there. Like, what do we do with it? Finally, it came up that we were going to be able to do like an easement agreement that whoever purchased the house would uh, have the rights to the, the garage, exclusive rights to the garage and to the driveway. They'd be responsible for the maintenance, though technically we would own it still. So we go to list it for sale, and uh, we had an incredible response. Uh, I had, like, I think, like 11 offers. Um, I think all of them were over asking price, and so we took the best offer, and uh, then after that, um, some time went on, and, you know, I'm just thinking, like, all right, it's, you know, kind of the legal things that have to happen, and this was a really complicated arrangement and a complicated deal, and so some, somewhere between me and our real estate agent and our lawyer and their real estate agent and their lawyer and the buyer, buyer somehow something got confused where they didn't understand exactly what was happening, that we would still own the garage, they, though they could use it. So time went on, and there was negotiation. They're like, okay, we still want the, the house, but 
uh, we'll offer a lower price. And it still was a good price, so we're like, okay, we'll take it. So I'm thinking, all right, we're going to close at maybe October, end of October. Doesn't happen. And I'm thinking, all right, maybe like before the holidays, maybe like the beginning of December. Doesn't happen. Then, uh, you know, I'm talking to the lawyer, and they're like, well, I, we'd guess maybe around the end of the year we're closing. And so in the meantime, I'm, you know, starting to look at possible renovations for the church, and uh, we had done kind of a test on the chairs. Some of you had tried different chairs out. Uh, we were looking at carpeting and stuff, and I received notice from the chair company and uh, from the uh, carpet company that at the beginning of the year, there were going to be significant price increases. So if we wanted to get the price that we were quoted at, uh, we had to get a deposit in or give a commitment. Uh, I think that the carpet was going to go up like 35% at the new year. And so then I was stuck with like, okay, we don't have the money in hand for these renovations, but we don't want to pay more when it closes just after the, the year or at the end of the year. And so... We put a deposit down on the carpet, put kind of a verbal commitment on the chairs, and we're just, you know, moving forward. And uh, I get to the, like, the beginning of, or middle of January, and uh, I get notice from the lawyer's office that the, that the buyer wasn't able to get insurance on the garage. Now, this was a significant issue. Uh, they had to have insurance on the garage. We have to have insurance because of the arrangement, just the way it is. And so this was a significant issue. And myself and the lawyer and our real estate agent, we're starting to question, like, this deal might not go through. And meanwhile, we're having painting days. We got a deposit on the carpet, verbal commitment to the chairs. We're starting to do stuff, and I'm thinking, what do we do if this falls through? Like, do we do, like, half of it? Do we just, like, paint the walls and then just leave everything? And we're starting to look at selling the pews, and things are starting to get weird. We're starting to get committed, and I'm wondering what's going to happen. And that's when I brought it before you guys um, sometime in January. I'm like, we need to pray uh, some significant things have to happen for this property to close. Thankfully, a few weeks later, I got notice from the lawyer's office that uh, they were able to gain in, uh, get insurance, and like 10 days later, we closed on the property. So we were able to not only pay off our, or not only do these um, updates to the church, but we were able to pay off the mortgage. And for the first time in IHOPE's history today, we are completely debt-free. God, great is your faithfulness. There's one other thing. Um, I had told you um, about my grandfather and how he had been faithfully supporting the church since the time the church began with a significant amount of money. And sadly, this, this past year, a couple of months ago, uh, my grandfather passed away. But what's also interesting is that a few months before that, somebody from outside the church doesn't go here. They reached out to me and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that we wanted to help support the church. And we want to give monthly for the foreseeable future as long as we're able to do so. And the amount of money that they were giving was the exact amount that my grandfather was giving. I felt like God was like, well, 
I have to take your grandfather home. That stinks. But I'm still going to take care of you. No matter who's around, no matter what's going to happen, I'm faithful. I'm going to take care of you no matter what. God, great is your faithfulness. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, the psalmist says. All your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. We serve a good and faithful God and he can be trusted. God is faithful to us. We know he's faithful because of the ways that he provides for us, but most of all, we know he's faithful because he didn't spare his own son. He sent Jesus to the earth to die on the cross for us so that we could experience life. God is faithful. We never need to question his love for us as we look to the cross because he gave everything for us. So maybe you're here today, maybe you need a little encouragement. Maybe you need to be reminded that God is faithful. And maybe you hear the stories like this and maybe you're like, well, I have never had God work in my life like that. Well, maybe God is about to do something like that in your life. I mean, when we're in the valley, when we're sitting there with a $15,000 amount that we need, I mean, it's scary. You start to doubt. You know, when the parsonage is not, not closing and we're starting to make commitments, it gets scary. Sometimes we doubt the faithfulness of God. But even in those hard times, he's faithful. He'll never let us down. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never fail us. He's a good and faithful God. Again, it's not about my faith. If it was, nothing would happen. It's about his faithfulness, his truth, his grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you that you've been faithful to us as a church. Lord, I know my heart is prone to wander, prone to doubt your faithfulness, but you've proven yourself faithful again and again and strengthened my faith in knowing that no matter what happens, you're there, you'll provide, that you'll lead us in the paths that you have for us. Lord, I pray for anybody here who's maybe in that valley, who's wondering, questioning, God's plans, questioning your faithfulness. Help them to realize, help them to believe, help them to hold on to the fact that you're faithful and true, that you never leave your people. You're the God who was faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You were faithful to David. You were faithful to all of the prophets. You sent your son to die on the cross for us and rise again. Lord, we know you're faithful. You're a great and mighty God. Help us to hold on to that. Help us to never forget that you're with us and you're for us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.